we come into your house with thanksgiving. We come into your courts with praise. We come to lavish our love on you today. We come to, to bring our songs of adoration and worship before a God who is worthy. And we say we love you, Lord. We worship you. We sing to the one who is holy, who is worthy today. We bless your name. Come on, let's worship together. Again, if you want to join us in the front, you can. But let's let's sing, let's worship, and let's press into the heart of God today. I cannot remember what I was doing before I met you. I've been captivated by your love that saved me. Oh, when I'm in love, I cannot remember what I was doing before I met you. I've been captivated by your love that saved me. Got a hold on me 
You saved me. 
presence of the Lord. Oh, and you save me, you save me, and I will never leave you, Lord.
every mountain For every time you brought me through I call you faithful And I just want to thank you, Lord For your forgiveness For how you never turned away I call you faithful And I just want to thank you, Lord For your salvation You paid the price I couldn't pay I call you faithful And I just want to thank you, Lord
to me in God I can't believe how you've loved me what a friend you have been so good to me in God I can't believe how you've loved me what a friend you have been yeah let's just say thank you Jesus lift up a shout of thanksgiving we thank you Lord for your faithfulness God we thank you Lord for your faithfulness Jesus friend, loving father. Just look at him, look at him. search 
perfect You are perfect in all of your ways You are perfect in all of your ways You are perfect in all of your ways To us Oh, it's a love so undeniable I, I can hardly speak peace so unexplainable I, I can hardly think as a call deeper still as a call deeper still as a call deeper still into love love as a call perfect because you are perfect in all of your ways you are perfect in all of your ways you are perfect in all of your ways to us oh you perfect you are perfect in all of your ways you are perfect in all of your ways Perfect in all of your ways to us. Your good, good Father, it's who you are.
lift you higher, we lift you higher to the name above all names. There is no other, there is no other to the one who overcame. We lift you higher, we lift you higher to the name above all names. There is no
Thank you, Jesus. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. God, you are worthy. You know, as we're singing worthy is the Lamb, it's important that you understand Worthy is the lamb who laid down his life. Worthy is the lamb who subordinated all that he was to the will of the Father. Worthy is the lamb of God who lived not for himself, but to do the will of the Father. You know, on this Father's Day, there's no greater picture of manhood than Jesus Christ. And I want to speak especially to the men this morning. Jesus Christ was the ultimate man. He is the image image of the Father, and he lived a life not for himself. First, First Corinthians 13, we're all familiar, is the, the love chapter. But in verse 10 it says, Sorry, verse 11, it says, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. I have three grandchildren. The youngest is two and a half. Brings a lot of joy to the whole family. But really, it's all about what he wants. I want to go out. I want this. I want that toy. I want, I want. Those are the childish things, right? He doesn't know anything else. He will. But right now, his world revolves around him. Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. God's calling us. He's calling us all, men and women. But I'm, I want to speak to the men. He's calling us to put away childish things. To not live our lives for ourselves. To not live according to the the philosophies and thoughts that we pick up in culture. But to live a life sold out. To be a man. To be a man. I want to, there's many more women in here than men, but just turn around, lay your hands on the men, wherever we are. Let's just pray for the men right now because this is Father's Day. God, that these men and women 
these men especially, God, that they would take up the high call. Take up the high call to live a life that emulates the life of Jesus Christ. That we would put away childish things. That we wouldn't live a life centered around ourselves, but centered around you. God, that we'd live a life that we might see not my will, but your will be done. We say, come Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you that you are raising up a company of people who put you first in all things, who don't pull back, who don't turn around, but they're willing to die to themselves. God, I thank you that in each one you've placed the potential for fatherhood. You've placed that very potential for fatherhood. God, that they would see themselves as you see them. That they would live their lives for you. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Amen. Thank you, team. Let's give the Lord a high a, a praise. He's worthy. He's so worthy. He's good. Before you're seated, turn around. Greet someone around you. Make sure you introduce yourself. Let's make sure we're known and, and being made known. Yes. I just wanted to, I know we prayed for all the men in the room, but I wanted just to acknowledge them, all the men, you know, just men, if you could just stand up a minute, all the men, whether you're a dad or not, I just want to say something like even, you know, I just like look at Anthony Kurt, he's not a dad, but he carries everyone's hearts of everybody's prayer requests all through the week he you don't know the secret things i'm looking at other people in the room that have that are men of god and you know 
you would the most unlikely they would pray for their kids and and have um and fast for for 40 days to see a breakthrough and they saw a breakthrough i mean i've seen this i've seen it with my eyes but i've seen what the father has done right even when he said to abraham you know give up your son isaac but you know something he always knew he was going to be the one with the ram in the thicket but he didn't do that he gave his son so that's when Bill's saying, like, to live other, like, not to live for yourself, you know. And I just want to acknowledge every man, the secret things you do by living for someone else, by giving for them. Thank you. Thank you. We acknowledge you. And, and just how the Bible says, give thanks in all things. We give thanks. I give thanks for you today and even for your own dads. I, it might not always have been the best or something, but, you know, that forgiveness and giving thanks I just, there was one thing in Thessalonians that I was, well, this is my Bible. Okay. Oh, you know, my, actually my other Bible that I would keep here that was falling apart also like this one, but not as, this one is, this one's really old. The other one, my kids took, to, that was my Mother's Day present to have my Bible redone. That's what I wanted. Okay. Now I don't know. How am I going to find it? This thing is like. First Thessalonians 5. Maybe I got to get it in my phone because I'm never going to find it with these pages that are. Sorry, guys, and we're trying to keep it. Okay. Okay. And in. Um, yes, it says, in everything to give thanks. And that's verse 18. But before that, in 14 or 15, it says. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourself and for all. So even if you haven't had the best circumstances with your natural dad, and some of you have had amazing dads, and that's great, but if today you can just give them that gift of forgiveness, just give them that gift, acknowledge the good, and, and do reach out. And we just bless every man here. I thank you so much for what you have done as a man of God to live not for self, but to live for other. Love you all. Bless you. Amen. I think Tammy might have read that Bible a lot based on its condition. <laughs> Going to have to get that one refurbished before the next Mother's Day. Uh, good morning, everyone. My name is Colt. I'm one of the pastors here. So good to be with you guys this morning. If you are new here, I see some new folks in the room. We would love to give you free coffee. So if you go ahead and raise your hand, if you're new in the room, let's give it up for our new folks. All right. Keep your hand raised up. Our ushers are going to come and bring you a Connect card, and they're going to bring you a coffee voucher. So you can turn that voucher in at the Art Cafe here in the lobby and uh, to get caffeinated this morning. And we'd love for you to fill out a Connect card. Um, you can get as you can put down as little or as much information as you want, but it helps us to connect with you. Get your hand raised up over here again. They'll go ahead and give you a card. Um, so once once we do offer, you can go ahead and return that connect card to us, and we'll connect your we'll corral your information. So we are going to. I'm just going to giving a few brief announcements this morning. Um, we are going to be having a class today following this service. It's going to be our extraordinary relationship class. We're going to be in part three. If you missed the first two parts, you can still come to this one. And if you haven't signed up, sign up using that QR code right here. Um, we'll send you a link to all the previous sessions. Our relationship class covers 
unhealthy relationship patterns. We've covered two so far. Well, three, actually. Um, we've covered distance and cutoff, and we covered conflict last week. This week, we're covering over and under functioning. If you don't know what that is, come to the class. I'm not going to let you know until you come, but come join us. You can bring your food in here. We're going to be here at 2.30. And then the very last class we do, we're going to talk about what does a functional, healthy relationship look like. So now three classes of unfunctional and one class of how, does it, how is it supposed to look. Um, so join us today for that. My wife and I teach that class. We have Alpha this week. Uh, Tuesday nights is in the Upper West Side. Uh, we meet on 75th Street. Alpha is for those that are new to the faith or exploring faith in Jesus. So if you're in that place where you're new in your Christian faith or you're just, you don't know if Christ is for you but you want to explore the Christian faith more, come join us. It's not too late to join. This Tuesday night we eat a meal together and we, have, we watch a film and we dialogue in small groups. Uh, the Alpha Weekend, by the way, for those of you that are part of Alpha, is next Saturday. So join us for that. Also next Saturday we have the ARC Healing Rooms are going to be here. If you need healing in your body, if, if you need just encouragement and strength, come join our healing rooms here 11 to 1 next Saturday, the 24th. Uh, also this week we have prayer uh, Wednesday and Tuesday. We have it every Tuesday, Wednesday, 12 to 2, um, prayer and worship here at the church. And it's also available on Zoom. We also have our new group, Feminine Discipleship. It's a women's group only. Um, so fathers, don't come. And it's, it's going to be happening not this Monday but the next. So it started last Monday and not this Monday but the next. The 25th or 26th rather is the next meeting. And lastly, we have our summer schedule that's going to be released this week. So look out for that. We're changing some of the dates and times of things. So like Friday night EGS, some of those things are going to change um, given, given July 4th and all the things happening this summer. So more to come on that. Look out for that. Um, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or get on our email list, because then, then you'll get all the updates, because things do change in the summer. We want to make sure everybody's aware of those changes. Um, oh, and my last one, if you've ignored me to this point, which most of you seem engaged, don't ignore me on this one. Um, so Welcome to Church Night is happening July 19th. And this is, we've been doing sort of um, meetings for newcomers, sometimes after service, and it's kind of chaotic, there's a lot going on. And everybody here is so social, right? People hang out here. By the way, if you're new, you can hang out here for a long time. That's what we do around here. Um, but if you want to have a more intentional time with the pastoral team, with other leaders um, in the community, come join us July 19th. You can sign up here. It's going to be at 630. There's going to be a meal served. It's for anybody that's been, that's new to the community, new being you've been here for a year or less. Sign up for that. Come join us for that. And we would love to dine with you. I'm going to give it up for Megan. Let's give it up for Megan. So Megan is going to be praying for the offering today, and um, I just want to, I love Megan so much, and Megan leads Thrive and a lot of amazing things around here, so I just want to bless you, Megan, and thank you for all that you do. I'm just feeling the love this morning, and so anyway, appreciate you. Um, okay, so if you would like to give and you need an envelope, just raise your hand and the ushers will bring them around, and there also is the information on how to text to give on the screen behind me. Um, I was asking the Lord for what verse to read, and he gave me the same verse that I've gotten many times through the offering, but it, you know, it's still true. <laughs> you know what I, he just wants it to keep sinking in. Um, so it's Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
And like just the added component the Lord was talking to me about today is like, it's about our finances, but it's about a lot more than that. And it's about even like our time, like how we invest our time is storing up treasures in heaven and even like the posture of our heart. Um, so I'll just pray into that as we take the offering. So God, we just ask that you would just shift our minds away from earthly perspective on things. So we just ask that you would give us eyes to see things the way that you see them, that our heart alignment would be in alignment with your priorities and the, what you, uh, with heaven on earth. So God, we just thank you for what you're continuing to do here. And we just ask that you just continue to mold us and, and shape us, God. And we just want to fully submit to all you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. And I actually forgot to ask who I'm bringing up. So, okay. Pastor Rich. So I'll just bless Pastor Rich as he speaks today. God, that you would just open our ears, open our hearts to fully receive um, everything that you have in store for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Megan. All right. Well, you guys can turn to Revelation 3. I'm going to start in verse... 15. So one of the things I'm uh, asking us to do today, even right in the beginning of the message, because um, we've all been in some of those messages where we're just like, oh my gosh, I wish my wife was here or my friend was here to hear this message. They need this message. Um, and that's, that's all good. Today, I want us to look at ourselves. Just put the lens on in, in this, this scriptures, in this message, and I want us to look at ourselves, look at our heart. I think um, for me, even as I've read some of these passages that we're going to go through today and dialogued with God, I've, I've often brought myself before him, my heart before him, and begin to look at the stature or the status of my heart in regards to some of the things that we read or, or really as I go through the scripture, and what I find is when I do that, he begins to bring transformation in my life, in my heart, when I take the time to do that um, and apply it and have conversation with God, he changes me. And so I want to encourage us to look at ourselves today. I do believe that the Holy Spirit wants to rescue us and deliver us from a spirit of dullness. And I think one of the ways he wants to do that or that he does do that is by dining with us by giving us gold, by giving us oil, his glory, his presence, and by spending time with us. And we're going to discover that there is a way to buy gold. There's a way to buy oil. And there's a way to experience dining with him. And as believers, you have access to that. And in Revelation 3, these are part of the seven letters that he's writing to the churches, that John was writing to the churches from this revelation that he was having of Jesus. And the specific one is to the church of Laodicea. Uh, and the, one of the things I want to point out is that even though he is coming with correction, which he is, he's coming with the rebuke, he's coming with the chasing, he's coming with correction, but he's also coming with the word of hope. And he gives them hope in the midst of a word of correction. So I want us to journey together. We're going to start in verse 15. Um, and let's read through it. It says, these things, says the Amen. The faithful witness, faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now this is intense language, okay? 
this it is intense language but i want you to see that this intensity comes from the heart of a zealous and jealous father who is burning for us and so but i don't want you to miss the intensity of the language and how he's describing listen if they're if you're lukewarm he's talking about a people who once were hot but their flame has grown dim and he's saying you know, I, I would rather you have been cold this whole time, been outside the camp this whole time, than to have been the ones who were burning and then your hearts have grown dim. So this, this is a challenge. This is hitting you right in the gut, right in the heart. Like the Lord's saying, yeah, if you found yourself lukewarm, this is not a good place to be in. Because this type of taste in my mouth is something that, that makes me want to vomit you out. Like I'd rather you be hot or cold. Okay, so it's intense. Feel the intensity of it. Verse 17, he continues, Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I've taken my heart, and I, and I, I look at this, because he's, he's not talking about necessarily physical wealth or physical riches, though that could be one of the stumbling blocks for us. But the point is this. There are, are moments even in my life, just because of my personality, I'm administrative, I'm a go-getter, I can go and just get things done. There's, there's moments in my life where I'll just go about doing and getting things done, and I've kind of left the part of leaning on him in the process, left this part of, of doing life with him, or just completely left him out of areas of my life, and I'm basically communicating to God, you know, in this area, I don't need you. In this area, I'm fine without you. Or maybe it's a shame thing. Maybe it's a hiding thing. Maybe it's like Adam where you're, you, you knew this God could see you, but you think hiding behind this tree, he's not going to find you. You know what I mean? And we're hiding from him these things and basically saying, no, I don't want you in this area of my life. I'm fine. And so there's this, this, uh, this mindset that we think we're okay. We think we're alive, but we don't realize that by doing so, we leave ourselves wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked that not attaining and tending to the status of our heart can produce in us fruit that we don't want produce where we're living in misery we're living in poverty we're living wretched we're living blind we're living naked we're, we're in a place we don't want to be and the beauty of this intense language is he then comes in and he brings the way of escape Right? He doesn't leave us here. He says in verse 18, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich. I counsel you, buy from me white garments that you may be clothed. That the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. And I, I love the progression of this language because he comes with this intensity, this thing in your heart that he sees, and you don't see it. Because had you seen it, you wouldn't have left your heart in that way. And so he's coming in as a father. As Father's Day, as fathers, as friends. Maybe it's the iron sharpened iron thing. Brothers and sisters, as fathers and mothers. It is the mercy of the Lord to expose in us the areas in our life that have gone lukewarm 
so that we do not stay in that place that results in him vomiting us out of his mouth. And he comes in and he says, listen, I'm actually rebuking you because I love you. But we are so not used to rebuke and chasing, or we resist it at times because of the way that we, it makes us feel. But we don't realize if we're actually in a position where we're not experiencing rebuke, chastening, which could simply mean, hey, there's something going on in your life that you, you need to make right with God. You're not walking in the path he's called you to walk. You're not walking in the high calling he's called you to walk in. You're straying away. You're living your life in a gray area. You're not in a safe place. And it's actually the mercy and the love of the Father to come and bring a rebuke, to bring a chasten, to bring a correction, because he understands if I don't do this, you're going to end up in a bad place. And if I find myself in seasons of my life where I'm not getting feedback from fathers, mothers, friends, brothers, and sisters, that is a place where I don't know if my blind spots are being covered. And I need the word of rebuke and chastening and correction to be active in my life from the place of love so that I can receive the counsel that comes along with it that saves my soul. But we, we get uncomfortable with it. Or maybe we're just not used to it. Maybe that's not been the culture. Or maybe it, it's the rebuke that doesn't come from the place of love. But this, this passage right here is painting this picture. It's an invitation of a lifestyle in community with authority over us, with believers around us that see what we're doing and call us out on the things that we're doing and call us back in to the high calling of God in our life, to the way that God has called us to live. It's actually his mercy. When he says, I counsel you, he's saying, I, I'm bringing you a counsel of mercy. Buy from me gold refined in the fire. And see, we don't, we don't know we're lukewarm. You don't really know because you're unaware. But he's saying, I want you to know it. Because you have become content with so little when there is so much at my table that I want you to know the nature and status of your heart. You're settling for less. And I have more for you. And I'm revealing this not so that you could run away in shame, but so that the, a hunger can be awakened inside of you for the more that I have. And I'm counseling you and bringing you through this process of repentance so that you would know this is not just a one-time process, but this is a lifestyle of continuing to turn the ship along the path that he is leading us. Because it's life, guys. We're doing and living everyday life. And Things happen and we can just begin to go off the path and the Lord, it's his mercy, like the shepherd taking a sheep and is bringing us back into the pasture, bringing us back in. Or it's fathers, leaders, mentors in our life that even when we don't see it as an issue, they're saying, trust me, I've been around longer, I've been around this thing, I've been around people, that is a dangerous place, you don't want to be in that place. And sometimes, guys, it's not even necessarily bad things. Sometimes it's good things with the Lord saying, that's going to lead you in a way that you don't want to go. That's gonna, because you're, you're doing good works outside of my presence. And you're doing the things just for the sake of doing things. And, and brings to my memory, that uh, brings to mind those verses, some of these hard verses in Scripture where we go to the Lord, where we see the, the, the passage where he says, people will come to me and I'll say, depart from me from I, I have not known you. And I, I don't, I don't want us, and we'll, we'll get into it in a minute, but I don't want us to wait until, uh, you know, a later season or that time in our life to be trying to receive the counsel from the Lord to buy from him gold. 
and to be refined by the fire. Verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. He says he's standing at the door of your heart. He stands at the door of the heart of his sons and daughters and he knocks. He says, if anyone opens, I will dine with him and him with me. And when we're talking about buying gold, it, it's, we're not talking about something that we're going to spend money on. So this, this whole concept of buying, it's not like we bring money to God and we're buying him gold. But there is this connection to something that costs us. This buying of gold, it is connected to time, to effort, to uh, pursuit that costs us something. Sometimes you might think that you're earning the gold. Sometimes you think that your good works get you the gold, but it's like, no. When you're spending the time, it's, it's not something that you're earning. It's not something that you can get. It's something that you receive from him. You can't earn it. But we invest ourselves in a costly way to position ourselves to receive. Now, Isaiah was one of the first ones to teach us what it looks like to buy things from God. If you want to turn to Isaiah 55, we're going to read the first three verses together. I'm going to put it up on the screen as well. Oh, they got rid of my favorite first word. We should be in the New King James Version. <laughs> oh, there we go. Oh, two different screens, I see. Say ho. I don't know what's there, but sometimes it's like just getting your attention, right? And says, so, ho, if, if anyone is thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Verse 2. Why do you spend money for what does... What is not bread and why wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. Let your soul delight itself in abundance. In verse 3. Incline your ear, come to me, hear, and your soul shall live. Now I love, I love this. And it's calling you, and Isaiah is even using this language, to come and buy food without money. How? Well, he lays it out for us. How do you do it? At least in Isaiah 55, here's some of the ways. We buy food without money by listening and being attentive in our conversation with the Holy Spirit, with the Lord. Just you having a dialogue and a conversation with God is a divine exchange. Do you know all interaction, all prayer is an exchange? When you talk to Him, when you come before Him, when you worship Him, He's not just going to simply take what you're bringing. He's going to pour out a part of Him onto you. He's going to deposit things into your account and we just read it come and buy how by listening carefully to him inclining your ear when we do this our soul delights in abundance and he welcomes us to come to him we buy things from god by entering this god-ordained process of having conversation with him listening to his voice and direction and responding in simple obedience and when we do that, when we come to him, when we incline our ear, when we spend the time, when we have the conversation with God, then he responds to us by saying, if you do this, I will come and dine with you. Knocking on the door of your heart. If you open, I'll come dine with you. He's going to pursue you, but he's waiting for you to open up. He's not going to bust the door down most of the time. 
He's knocking because he's looking for the willingful, the willingness heart who will respond and say, okay, God, I'm willing. Come. Here's this place in my heart that you've put your finger on. You're knocking on it. This, maybe it's this place that's gotten hard like stone. Maybe it's trauma. Maybe it's pain. Maybe it's sin. Maybe it's shame. Whatever it is, he's seeing an area in your life that he wants to touch. He's seeing lukewarmness. He's seeing where you once were burning with passion in certain areas and your flame has become, uh, began to flicker. It's going out. And he's knocking. He's like, don't let it go out. He's knocking on the door. He says, if you open up. And when you open up, when you simply just show up, you open up, you obey, he will come and meet with you. He will come and dine with you and you with him. He says, I will draw you closer. I will draw closer to you more than you could ever imagine. It's not going to force it. But if we purpose in our heart to dine with him, then he will come and pour the depths of his heart upon us as he dines with us. And we see this reality, uh, John 14 to 17, some of my most favorite passages in the Gospels. Uh, it leads up to, into the upper room discourse. We, we have these conversations that Jesus is having with his disciples, and then it goes into prayer, dialogue between him and the Father, and we have it all recorded uh, for us to read. So much letters and read going on, all leading up to him being handed over to the Roman the Roman guards. But it starts off in, in John 13 at the Last Supper. And so this upper room discourse, this conversation that he has with his disciples, and then this prayer dialogue he has with the Lord, all comes out and comes off of this Last Supper, this scene of dining with, the, with his disciples. And so there is this, this connection here that if we dine with him, we're not just... You know, he's not just feeding us literal bread or, or, or wine. And he wasn't just, though he was, he wasn't just serving them so that they would have literal bread or wine at the Last Supper. But he was inviting them to feast of the things that he was just about to talk to them about and the things that he was just about to pray to the Father about. And that when we come to him, the things that he sets on the table are the desires that he has for us, the revelations that he has for us, the identity that he has for us, the things that we're feasting of, they're him. They're things that come from him. And we'll get into that a little bit more. And in Revelation 3.20, we just read it. It's talking about us opening the door of our heart. And a few verses later in chapter 4, verse 1, we see the, you know, how many of you know chapter 3 is followed by chapter 4? <laughs> and it's all the same letter. Uh, and so sometimes we see the chapter ending, and then we don't, you know, we just... It's very connected. Literally, two verses later from I knock on the door of your heart, open your heart to me, we see in chapter 4 that he says, Now behold, I looked, and a door is standing open in the heavens, and a voice crying out, Come up here, and I will show you things. And so we see this progression of thought here, that he knocks on the door of your heart, you open, he comes in and dines with you. And chapter 4 shows us that when we're doing that, as we open our heart to him and he's dining with us, as he's dining with us, the door of heaven is opened over us. And I think of uh, the communion elements when they were on the road to Emmaus, right? These guys didn't recognize Jesus on the road to Emmaus. 
um, but something, there was something about him that they wanted to keep spending time with him that says that they restrained him because he was going to keep going. He comes in and dines with them. They still don't realize that this is Jesus. They just think this guy is anointed. He's opening up the law and the prophets and telling them everything that just happened on this seven-hour walk together. It's like, well, come, at least come have dinner with us. And it says that as he's having dinner with them, the end of the dinner, he takes the, or during the dinner, he takes the bread and he breaks it. And it says that as soon as he broke the bread, their eyes were opened and they recognized who he was and then he disappeared. This Revelation 3 and 4, this opening of the heavens over us, when we dine with him, when we come and spend time with him, and time in the word, time in worship, what happens is the heavens are opened up. And as we see in chapter 4, he says, come up here and I will show you things. As you allow him in, in a moment where you're, you think you're just asking for forgiveness because of an area in your life that needed repentance that was lukewarm, and you let him in to deal with that area and cover that area, he goes, now that you've done that and we've made you right, now that you've been obedient to my word and, and I've made you clean and made you righteous and I've reset your heart towards me, you need to also know the door of heaven is open in the breaking of bread together, in this communion with one another, I open your eyes and I give you the ability to see what you couldn't see before. And I give you the ability to hear what you couldn't hear before. Had you not dined with me, you would have continued in your blindness. But because you've come in and allowed me to dine with you, I will open up your eyes so that you can see. This simple obedience of having conversation with God, this simple obedience of getting in the word of God. Because maybe you're like, Rich, I have a hard time, you know, hearing the Lord. And, have, you know, you're saying have conversation. Well, I, I do all the talking, but I can't hear what he's saying. And that's okay. We'll get you there. But for now, you got this book where he is constantly speaking to you through these words and through these letters. So get in the secret place, read these words over you, and know that this is God speaking to you. And maybe you don't, you know, like, Rich, well, I don't understand what I'm reading. And I've said this to you before. Well, if I asked you, what did you have for lunch uh, last week on Monday? Most of you would have no idea what you had for lunch. But even though you don't remember what you ate, it still nourished you. It still brought life and physical strength to your body and soul. Just because we read everything in this book, we don't always understand. And sometimes that leads us to stop reading. I want to, I want to encourage you and implore you keep reading even when you don't understand keep reading because it is doing something to your spirit to your soul to your body to your mind it's not time wasted but i do encourage you to take the step forward maybe you don't understand what it says so get a commentary or listen to a podcast ask a friend you know pursue wisdom and the lord will be faithful to open up your heart and your eyes and your mind to understand So maybe you're like me, and I get really practical, and you're saying, well, Rich, we're, we're talking about all this language of the Lord is not knocking on the door, open it up, let him come dine. What, what, is, what does it look like to practically open the door of my heart? How do I buy the gold? How do I really feast at the table with the Lord? And I've said it and a, a couple times already, but I'll just say it again now. It practically looks like simple conversation with God. And I, I love this because... He just wants to spend time with you. In fact, when you read through John 14 to 17, over and over and over again, we're seeing this phrases of, you know, Father, I desire that these whom you've given me, they would be with me where I am. 
He says to the Father, the ones you've given me, I, I've, not, I've lost not one. There is this desire, this pursuit, in which he pursued with the disciples that were with them, and he still pursues with us today. He wants to be with us. He's just longing. Just come, be with me, spend time with me, have, have these conversations with me. But I do want to highlight these two verses throughout John 14 to 17. I say read it, but I want to highlight these two verses. The first one is John 15, verse 9. Because for me, these, these two that I'm about to read to you, they've helped set my heart on a trajectory of being transformed by God's love day by day. And in verse 9, we see Jesus declaring two significant truths. He says this, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. As the Father loved me, I also loved, loved you. Abide in my love. Let's read verse 10 together. Go to the next verse. And if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I, I want to highlight something, because right in verse 9, if you want to put verse 9 back in the, on the screen, he is declaring over them, the Father loves me. He's like, you need to know this. The Father loves me. It's Jesus talking. The Father loves me. He, and this love, it's a zealous love. It's a fervent love. It's a jealous love. He desires me and he loves me. And why is he telling him this? Because now he goes to the next breath and he says, that same jealous love, that same fervent love, that same intimate love where he loves and pours out over me, I love you with that same love. I love you with the same love in which the Father has lavished upon me. And then he gives us a command. He says, abide in my love. What love? With the love in which the Father has poured out on his Son. And with the love in which the Son is pouring out on us. He says, I want you to live, dwell, meditate, wait in that love. And he gives them this command, and, and it's not just a suggestion, it is a command. I'm telling you, abide in that love. And then he says in verse 10, if you obey my commandments, you will abide. This is one of those commandments. It's like if, you, if you're wanting to live a life connected to me, filled with me, filled with my presence, a life that is vibrant and alive, you have to spend the time, the, the days, the hours. This, this practicality of buying gold, it's not, like I said, physical money that we're laying at Jesus' feet. It's time spent. Do you know what that tells me? It means the time that I spent in the Word, even when I didn't understand what I was reading, is not time wasted. It means that the time that I've spent in a Bible study, when some of my other friends or family are like, what are you doing in church all the time? It's not time wasted. It means the time that we spend coming to a Sunday morning service or a midweek service to worship together, commune together, have fellowship together, listen to the word together. This is not time wasted. You want to know why? This is what it looks like to abide in his love. And if we begin to abide in his love, we get to enter into the love in which he loved his son. And the love in which the son gives to us, we get to receive it, live in it, and be transformed by that love. These two truths, the Father loves me, and I love you. 
The kingdom of God is forever secure because of those two truths. It ever increases because of those two truths. You know, you want to live a successful life? I love Mike Bickle's phrase. He says this. He says, you want to know what success is in the kingdom of God? It's, it's not the accolades. It's not that you, you won all these souls for Christ. It's not that you did all the things that you said you would do. The foundation, the core of success is God loves me and I love God. Therefore, I am already successful. The success in this life, boiled down to simplicity, is living a life loving God and living a life allowing Him to love us. Living a life abiding, engaging, and, and dwelling in that love is a life of success. That maybe you didn't live out every dream. Maybe you didn't, you didn't get the white picket fence or you didn't get the, the penthouse apartment. Maybe you didn't get the dream job. Maybe you, you, you went through trauma. You, you experienced loss. You experienced death. You have all these definitions of what a successful life would have looked like. And it's just not measuring up to that. And the Lord speaks to you today. You need to redefine what success in your life looks like. It's not you checking off all these boxes. It's I love you. Now will you love me? Because if you can live and dwell in that, he will bring transformation to your life. This is eternal perspective. Because guys, I mean, I don't know what it'll look like, but I, I don't imagine it's going to be, you know, the, the rat race in heaven. I don't think we're trying to climb a corporate ladder in heaven. I don't think we're trying to get all these things on the other side. I don't think those things are going to matter. I think a lot of it's going to be burned up. In this life. 70, 80, you know, well, now with technology, maybe it's going to be back to 100, 110 years. I don't know. But whatever that looks like for you, you are living a life for eternity. Spend the decades pursuing his love now. Because there's a crown waiting for you on the other side. That's greater than any crown that you could achieve in this life and in this city. All right, the other verse, John 17, 26. And this is a little bit, a little time later after he's having, you know, John 15, this is a conversation that he's having with the disciples. And then John 17, we're in the middle of a prayer. We get a recorded prayer that Jesus is praying to the Father, which is beautiful. And he's praying a prayer, and this prayer is really a prophecy for us to the Father. And this, as I said before, this is towards the end of this upper room discourse. And the final phrase, this climax, he says, verse 26, And I, Jesus, have declared or revealed to them your name or your glory, Lord, and I will declare it. And that word declare it there means I will continually declare it. That the love with which you, the Father, have loved me may be in them. This is the thing that's burning on his heart right before he's taken, right in the middle of this prayer for us. He's saying, God, Father, I have shown you them. I've shown you to them. I have revealed you to them, and they believed me. We see a couple of verses before in, in, in chapter 15 and 16. It says that they believed what Jesus told them about the Father. They believed that the Father had sent him. They believed the words of Jesus. And actually, a couple verses after that, it says, and because they believed, that brought him glory. It glorified, he was glorified by their belief. 
and he says, I've done it. I've revealed to them your glory, and I will continue to, de to declare over them that the love with which you loved me, Father, let that love be in them. He's saying that he will continually impart revelation and experience of the love of the Father towards each of us in our moments of prayer, reading, and time spent in his presence. Every time you come before him, he is declaring and pouring over you the love of the Father. We actually have some more time. I can go into this. Matthew, turn with me to Matthew 25. You guys good? All right. You're alive? <laughs> We're going to read verse 1 to 13. You guys know this parable. This is the, uh, the virgins, the ten virgins, okay? And talking about buying oil. And I just, we, we do need to buy oil. We need to buy oil now. I think the people who need uh, to buy oil the most are the ones that don't think they need it. I think the ones who need it the most are the ones who think that they have enough. And, and I do feel like the five foolish virgins, they fit that. You know, they thought they had enough. They thought they didn't need it. Um, but they so needed it and they didn't know. And we need a lot of oil. Sometimes, you know, we're in worship and, and you can feel moments in worship. And I've been in services for over 15 years. And, and there are times, even as a leader, where you're like, well, maybe we need to get to the word. And it, it feels like we're rushing. We can feel like we're rushing through moments. I, I've been in secret place times and, and I've done that where I feel like I'm rushing through moments. And I feel like the Lord's just saying, slow down. Slow down a little bit. Just slow down. I want you to encounter me right here in this moment because sometimes we want to maybe we're trying to get to the sermon or we're trying to get to this and none of these things are bad things like there is a wisdom to an order of service and the way of structuring it but there are moments where the lord is just inviting us to slow down and i think we're in a moment right now even today where the lord is inviting you to survey your life survey your heart and say hey slow down a little bit life is going fast but there's areas where I want you to see that I have grown lukewarm and I'm counseling you to buy gold, to buy oil. You got to slow down and you got to be intentional about buying oil. So that you're not walking around with lamps half full and wicks untrimmed. Okay? And oil takes time. Wine takes time. Gold takes time to be formed. These things take time. These these descriptions that he's giving us that are attached to him, attached to his presence, they're so we can attach it to our understanding even in the natural. The, take, the making of wine takes time. The producing of oil takes time. The, the refining and producing of gold takes time and excellence. I mean, you know, there's, there's a difference between, you know, vegetable oil and extra virgin olive oil. And then there's a difference between the extra virgin olive oil you get at uh, wherever you go, Trader Joe's versus getting it imported from Greece uh, right from the, the motherland. You know what I'm saying? There's a difference between, you know, wine that was produced in upstate New York, though we bless it, versus the wine from France or from Italy. There's a difference between, you know, 18 karat gold versus 24 karat. There's, there's a difference. There's a, it's different between some jewelers and the other jewelers. There is a difference. These things take time and there's, there's excellence in the craft and he's highlighting the gold, the oil, the wine that he's pouring out that he bought with his body and his blood that he produced in his life, that he produced in his lordship and offering it to us is something that 
is costly for him. It's priceless, but it has much worth. You can't give money for it. You can't exchange riches or accolade for it. It's the time. It's the sacrifice. It's the positioning ourselves to receive before him. Remember Isaiah 55. We don't want to spend money on the so-called riches that do not last in the age to come. We want to buy gold. We want to store oil. All right, back to Matthew 25. And, uh, this is coming off of Matthew 24. 24 and 5 are very much connected in, um, in their, in the, these two passages are very much connected. So to give you a brief overview of chapter 24, you know, Jesus is talking about the coming of the Son of Man, his, his coming, his second coming. But he's talking about in that day how there's going to be deception, famine, rumors of war, earthquakes, offense, betrayal of one another, lawlessness, that there'll be uh, tribulation at the coming of the Son of Man. Uh, verse 29 of, of chapter 24 begins to shift, and he starts, that's where he starts to talk about this coming of, of the Son of Man, that phrase, the coming of the Son of Man. Verse 36 begins to talk about how no one knows the hour, but we are to know the season. Verse 45, he talks about the faithful servant and the evil servant, and the faithful is the one who is found waiting. And if you're in love, you, you want your bridegroom, you want to be those who are found waiting. And then this leads to Matthew 25, which we'll read together. Matthew 25, let's start right in verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. And this is, this is interesting, right? Because um, again, Jesus is speaking the same sermon from, from Matthew 24 to Matthew 25. And he's talking about that in that hour, in that season, an end time season, that the kingdom of heaven uh, shall be likened, right? So in other words, what he means by it shall be likened, that there is an emphasis on, on the days ahead that will look like this. That the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who take their lamps and go out to meet their bridegroom. And what's important there is... If there are ten virgins, they're linked, they're, they're grouped together, these people all come from the same camp. These ten virgins are all produced from the same stream, the same church, the same community. They're not like five came from over here and five came from over there. And this camp produces wise and this camp produces foolish. No, they were all drinking from a fountain that produced wisdom, but five ended up wise and five ended up foolish. They come out of the same company. And... We need to realize that in the day of the coming of the Lord, there will be some who are wise and some who are foolish. And I'm asking myself, and I'm asking the Lord, like, Lord, how can I position myself in a way I don't want to be like the five foolish virgins. I want to be like the five wise. This is, this, this is the invitation of this. This isn't a, like, oh, who knows? Who, who knows if you'll be wise? Who knows if you'll be foolish? No, the point of having this in here is so that you know how to be wise. So that you can, on purpose, not be foolish. To pursue wisdom in this, right? So this is pay attention to this. Because if you don't pay attention to this, that's how you end up living as a foolish virgin, okay? The tares and the wheat were in the same field, and it actually, they grow in the same field, and, and it takes the coming of the Lord to separate the tares from the wheat. And I don't want to wait until the coming of the Lord, and maybe it's the end of my life, or maybe he comes during my life, to see where I ended up on the spectrum. I want to pursue right now in my life, not living in any sort of gray area and where 
there is anything that needs changing, I want to remove it and pick those weeds now, pick those tares now in my life so that wheat grows, fruit grows, so that I'm living in the wisdom of the word of God and the invitation of the Lord today. Okay? So the other thing, as he's coming or in this life, we're going to begin to draw a line in the sand between what is wise and what is foolish. In the church, we are called to, dr- to make a delineation between living wise and living foolish. And as the day approaches, that line will become clearer and clearer. Let's read, continue, verse 3. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Again, the five foolish took their lamps, their hearts, the structure, their lives, but they took no oil. But the five wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they were sleeping. They were unaware of the day that they were living in. They were unaware of the hour that they were in. But at midnight, what's midnight? It's the 11th hour, a cry is heard. And this announcement comes forth, the bridegroom is coming. And I believe there's an announcement over us today. Hey, guys, you're living a life where you have a bridegroom who is coming. You are living a life so that at the end of it, you're going to meet a bridegroom. You're going to stand before him one day. He's either coming to us or we're going to meet with him. But either way, there is a bridegroom coming. For you, to meet with you. You have a meeting that you didn't know was in your calendar. They didn't know it was in their calendar. They were sleeping, but then the announcement comes. The bridegroom is coming. And we need to hear it now so that we're not shocked at the midnight hour. Jesus is coming, and that is truth. And if, if we are believers, we, sh- we are to be mourning for the return of our bridegroom. What does that mean? Desiring. There should be this passionate desire to be with him. Because we understand that this life, this world, is not right until he comes. And when he comes is when everything will be made right. And he's coming. And it will do you no good not to think about it or to push it in the back of your mind. That only produces us, in us, the heart of a foolish servant. What's he's looking for? Let's read again. Let's start. We'll, we'll just read 6 to 13. And at midnight a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those, vir- all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, no, lest there should not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding. And the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. And that, that word, not knowing, it speaks to a blindness. Not knowing, it speaks to a blindness. That's why, that's why he's inviting us to watch. To, to ask him to open up our, our eyes. Because if we're not watching, we can end up in a state of slumbering. So it's just, it's this uh, poetic language, but it is an invitation, 
a wake-up call, if you will, to say, be watchful, be looking. And part of being watchful and being looking is not just waiting for him to come, but it's in the preparation that's in the waiting and in the watching. You see, the wise watched, but the foolish were blind. And it, it implies that they could see at one point, right? The, the lamp that is out, that's not burning, they had the lamp. So there's this implication that they were burning at one point, but their fire has now gone out. They don't have oil to continue to let this fire go. The wise had oil. So when it was time to go, they lit the lamp, but the other ones, they, they couldn't light. But they, they used to have a light. They used to have oil, but, but they don't have it anymore. There's this implication. They had a light. They could see, but now they can't. Their light has grown dim because their lamps have gone out. And I believe it's a picture in this life that darkness, the, the, the devil and his schemes are fighting for the souls of men. Is fighting for the souls of men. He doesn't want you to get oil. He doesn't want you to have the ability to turn on the light. He's fighting for the souls of men, but there is a God who is reminding us, come to me and buy oil. Get oil in your lamps. Keep oil in your lamps. Keep oil in your lamps. Keep your, your wicks trimmed. Their lamps went out. It means they could see at one time. And they didn't, they didn't, gouge out their eyes it's not that they don't have the ability to see they just did not do what he commanded them to do which was go and buy oil and the reason i'm pointing that out is both camps the five foolish and the five wise they all had the ability to see but the five wise had what they need what had what they needed the oil to light their lamp and the five foolish didn't so the lord gave them all what they needed but the five foolish didn't do their part. The word says that thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We cannot see without the Lord. The wise said, go and get your own. You can't get this oil through the laying on of hands. I can't get oil based on your history with God. I can't get buy gold based on your conversation with God. I can't get gold based on your secret place. You're engaging the corporate place of prayer. I have to go and buy my own. The oil's too sacred. It doesn't flow through our hands. It comes from his hands. And we said before, this currency, it looks like time. But I do want to encourage you with something. It's not just time at an event or at a service because you're in the room. Though I do think being in the room at least begins to get you there. I think there's value in being in the room. But I do want to encourage you. It's the time where you are engaging. You're having the conversation. You're, you're, you're being obedient. You're entering into the commandment to abide with him. takes time. I think it also begs the question to ask, what is wise? What is wisdom? So there are many things that seem wise to us. You know, a great, a great preacher, a great sermon, or a great ministry uh, seems wise, but only if that ministry or that preacher prepares their hearts as intentionally as we prepare our sermons. You know, I think we live in a culture in the United States, right? You can go to business school and take a business class from a professor who's never owned their own business you know we no you can it's just it's real 
but it's because we live in a culture that, that values knowledge over experience. And as a, as a leader, as a father, I want to invite you not just into what I know, but what I've experienced. These five foolish, foolish knew what they needed to have, but they didn't go and experience. They didn't go and get the oil. They didn't take the time. They had the mechanism. They had the structure. They had the lamp. They had the wick. They had the, the thing that carried the oil, but they didn't have the oil. got to get oil we don't want a people be a we don't want to be a people that are glorying in things that God doesn't glory in spinning the wheel so we can feel better about us we don't want to get so consumed with with the busy things or you know in, in ministry we're, we don't want to get, get consumed with numbers 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 or programs 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 or things 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 those things are needed and they're good and they're things we do need to focus on. The strategy sessions, they are good, but they cannot take the place of us casting our gaze and our eyes before the Lord. As a ministry, you know, we have volunteers, we have a team. We're not going to, to busy them like Martha's. We are going to teach them first how to, to kneel at the feet of Jesus. Mike Bickle says it like this. You know, you want to get things done? You think you need hard workers, but you have to know that lovers always outwork workers. Those who know how to live and engage in the love of God will always outwork those who are doing it in their own strength. So what do I do to get this, this wisdom? Jesus, the bridegroom, saying that there's one substance that differentiates the foolish and the wise, and that's the oil of the Holy Spirit. To Jesus wisdom or the wise they are clothed in his presence the foolish have the structure they have the lamp they have the mechanism but there's no oil in there they cry out for fire but there's nothing flammable in their soul and God is looking for an oily heart and you don't even need to have a huge flame right if you're getting around oil and or you're, you're, you're spending the time to buy oil, then all it takes is a flickering flame to then ignite it up. The point is this. It's like we're, we can become zealous to build big things and to do great things. But without oil, that thing can't be lit up. It can't burn with the flame of Christ. And yet in simplicity, just and the simple obedience, and maybe just doing simple things, but you have an oily heart, the Lord just needs a little spark and that whole thing will light up. And it will burn bigger, faster, greater than you could ever imagine because you had oil. Maybe your lamp was a little bit more dingy and a little bit more cracked. It didn't look as big as the other guy's lamp or as excellent as the other guy's lamp, as adorned as the other guy's lamp. But you had oil. And he can work with a dingy, cracked lamp that has oil. But he can't work with the lamp that has no oil. So worried about what it appears to be instead of worrying about what is dwelling on the inside of it. So how we end up building businesses or ministries are families that end up going in weird directions, in compromising directions, in 
anti-gospel or anti-Christ directions without even knowing that we're not even in the gospel of Jesus anymore because we're building this beautiful lamp with no oil, without the presence, the guidance, the truth of him and his word. God is looking for oily hearts. Because if you have an oily heart, if you have this time and, and, and there's oil in your heart, you just got to get around people that are burning. You get around guys like we've had here, like Dan Bauman. You get around guys like, uh, you know, Charles Finney used to say this, I, I preach on Sunday and I spend time with God the rest of the week. I pray six days and on the seventh day they come to watch me burn. When you live your life in that way, it becomes a little bit easier to have a heart that's set on fire. How do I get that oil? The foolish version said at the last minute, oh, I'll get it now. But in the time it took them to go to the market, uh, the door was already shut. And there's coming a day of the Lord and where some will finally go to buy oil, but the door will be shut because he's already come. But when you give the Lord your attention and your adoration, you will get filled today. Don't wait. Don't wait for tomorrow. You don't know what tomorrow holds for you. You don't know what next week holds for you. Today is the day to buy oil. Today is the day to buy wine. Today is the day to buy gold. It's not for tomorrow. I had conversations with so many people who I grew up in church with, and I'm like, what are you doing now? And they're like, oh, when I get married and I have kids, then I'll come back to church. Then I'll serve the Lord. And then they'll get married. I'm like, you coming now? No, when I have kids. Then they have kids. Oh, when they get a little. They're waiting for the opportune time. Now is the time. You don't know what tomorrow holds for you. Buy oil today while he's still selling oil. Buy gold today while he's still selling gold. Drink wine today while he's serving the wine today. Stop looking at the world and caring so much about what does not matter. In Acts 1, they asked of the Lord, they said, when will you come to free Israel and establish your kingdom? They asked him a political question. And he didn't answer the question. He gave them an answer of a question they weren't asking. Because basically, they were saying, certainly, Jesus, you care how I can influence this sphere of influence. So when are you going to come and establish your kingdom and set Israel free? And he gives them this. He goes, you will be endued with power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's how he answers that question. The question they had was so low level that but instead of answering it, he just, he gives them the answer to a higher level question. And it invites them higher than the lower perspective of what they were seeing and understanding. Sometimes strategy is not what is needed. Sometimes what's needed first is the oil of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the thing that is needed in the ministry is the restoration of the tabernacle to the streets and to the city. Can you turn to Song of Solomon 5, uh, excuse me, yeah, 5 with me. We're going to read verses 1 to 5. And worship team, you can come on up. guys feel the presence of the Lord as we're talking about this? Yeah. When you talk about him, he comes in the room. No, I'm serious. When you talk about him, when you, when, you, when you get into his word, when you sing to him, he shows up. He's attracted to hunger, but he's attracted to those who are looking for him. Let's read these five verses together. I've come 
to my garden, my sister, my spouse. I have gathered my myrrh with my spice. I've eaten my honeycomb with my honey. I have drunk my wine with my milk. Eat, O friends, drink. Yes, drink deeply, O beloved ones. Now this is the Shulamite's response to the Lord. He says, I sleep, but my heart is awake. It is the voice of my beloved. He knocks, saying, open for me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one, for my head is covered with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. I have taken off my robe. How can I put it on again? I have washed my feet. How can I defile them again? My beloved put his hand by the latch of the door, and my heart yearned for him. I arose to open for my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with liquid myrrh on the handles of the lock. I want you to catch this. Her, her hands didn't have oil or myrrh on it, uh, but it says, you saw what, what happened? He touched the door, and because... Uh, he touched it, what was on his hand, the, the oil, the myrrh, got on the door. So that she didn't even touch him yet. She touched something he touched. And just by touching something he touched, oil gets on her. You see, when we're talking about this oil, this wine, this, this bread, this gold, we're not talking about physical objects. We're talking about the substance of who he is. He is the oil. He is the wine. He is the bread. He is the gold. The oil of wisdom is a person, and wisdom is a person. Yes. It's Him. It's Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Yes. You want to be, in, be wise, fall in love with Jesus. Yes. Wisdom says, fall in love with your beloved one. See, for, even for me personally, I, I wasn't a strong man. I wasn't a qualified man to be doing the things that I was doing. But He took me by the hand into the secret place, uh, you know, and... He invited me into relationship. Someone else didn't take me into the secret place and say, this is how you do it. This is how you build a church. This is how you build a ministry. This is how you preach. He, he had to take me into the place where he is to show me himself. What I, what I learned to do in ministry, and I've been around this for 15 years now. I, what I've learned to do in ministry is to get around him. But in the seasons of my life when I didn't know how to get to him, I would get around people who were around him. And I've always been amazed by the ones that have grown up with me or been in the same places with, with me or same services or same programs. And it seems like they're just content to keep going about life the way that they've been going about life. You know, I went to school in, um, in, in Reading for a year at Bethel for one year. And, and uh, you know, Bill Johnson would be speaking and I, I don't know about you, but I, I'm going to be in the room. He's speaking, I'm going to be in the room. In fact, I would get there a little bit early so I can be in the second row. I just, I wanted to be in there. I wanted to learn. I mean, never mind the fact that I spent $4,000 to be there, so I was going to be in the room, you know. But I'm there with my friends, my classmates, and some of them were content just to be in the lobby, to be talking while he's teaching. Some of them were content to be in the lobby during worship. Some of them were content just to leave class early because they wanted to go to the lake or something. But... But my heart hungered for more. It's like, no, I'm, this cost me something, number one, to be here. But I want to learn. Because I, I, it's <laughs> so good. I missed it. So someone said something. Oh, that was my mother. So it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> anyway. But you know what? When it's guys like Bill or whoever was on there, I saw something on their life that I wanted on mine. 
So, yeah, I, I would have been fine drinking a soda in the lobby. I would have been fine going to Lake 2. I love to do those things. But I needed something that was on his life. There was a hunger inside me to pursue the oil that he had on his life that he got from God. And I wanted to learn the way to get to that. There were times that he'd be teaching and I didn't understand the question, so I'd I, I understand the teaching. So I'd wait 45 minutes on, online at the end of the class just to get clarity because I wasn't content just to walk away with something I understood. I needed understanding. I wanted to gain wisdom. I wanted to receive what the Lord had for me. And I want to read this verse, Song of Solomon 1. Just turn back a couple pages. Verse 7 and 8. It says, tell me, O whom, tell me, O you whom I love, where you feed your flock, where you make it rest at noon. For why should I be as one who veils herself by the flocks of your companions? If you do not know, O fairest among women, follow in the footsteps of the flock. And I love this because... Basically, the Shulamite, the Shulamite is saying to her beloved, she's saying, can you tell me where you feed your flock? And he's saying, okay, well, if you don't know, just follow the ones that know where to get fed. And is this reality where you might be saying to me, Rich, this message is great. I, I feel this burning in my heart. I want to do it, but I, I really don't know the way. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to get there. I want it. I hear you. I want it. But how do I get there? And he's saying in verse 7, verse 8, okay, you don't know the way? Follow the people that know the way to me. This is what the Apostle Paul said. Follow Christ, but you don't know how to follow Christ? Follow me as I follow Christ. You don't know how to get to the oil? Follow the people that know how to get to the oil. You don't know how to get to the gold? Follow those that know how to get to the gold. Have mothers and fathers in your life. Have brothers and sisters in your life. Get around people whose hearts are burning, whose hearts are oily. Get around people who have this passion and this zeal for the Lord. Get around them because they know where the oil pours out. They know where the gold is sold. They know where the wine and the bread is being served. They know the way to the table of the Lord. One day you're going to learn the way, but for now, follow them. It's like when you first get your license. Thank God for GPS, right? But eventually you go to the same place long enough you don't need to put in the directions. But for now, you might need to follow the, the directions of the person next to you to get to him. And that's okay. You guys, there's this guy named Joseph Garlington. I'm going to tell two stories and then we'll end. This is story one. There's a guy named Joseph Garlington, amazing preacher and bishop. And, uh, I mean, his sermons are just ridiculous. Just so good. So rich. And just the pursuit of his life. And, but he tells the story of being in services and He's a teacher, but he would take notes. And I love that about him. Take notes, take notes. His wife as well. They'd be in service taking notes together. But he said, I begin to notice that in some of the sermons or in some of the teachings, I'm taking notes. And I look over, and my wife stopped taking notes. And she's on the floor. She's on her knees. And she's like weeping. It's like, I missed something. I missed something. And so what he realized was that she was tapping into something that he didn't know how to tap into. She was encountering the Lord, the Lord in a way that she did not, that he did not know how to encounter. And... What he began to do, he purposed in his heart. He's like, I don't get it. I don't know why she put the notebook down, but the Lord's obviously doing something in her heart. And so he decided that as he's listening to the sermons or listening to the teachings, taking notes, if she put her notebook away, he was going to put his notebook away. If her computer got put away, his computer's going to put away. If she went on his, her knees, he got on his knees. If she lifted her hands, he lifted his hands. If she began to cry out, he began to cry out. 
And what started as, as him just following her became a fruit in his life and began to, knit, to know when it was time to take notes. And then he began to recognize when the Lord began to, came, to come in the room and it was time to now receive of that which they were just learning about. I remember growing up in church and begin, my appetite began to get awakened for the presence of God, the things of God and His presence. And I didn't quite know how it all worked. I didn't know how it all happened. All I knew was I'd be in services, I'd be in worship, I'd be in the preaching, and, and my heart was burning. You, you, you get those feelings just like, oh, this is just good. You want to just jump up and down. But I, I'm, I'm young. I didn't quite know what to do or, or how to produce that on my own. And there was a group of people at the church that were known as the hungry ones, the oily ones. And what do I mean by that? When this, it was a banner team, right? They were a dance flag and banner team. Now I'm 15 years old. I'm a 15-year-old boy. Uh, this is a dance and banner team probably made up of 30, 40, and 50-year-olds. This is what I recognized. That in services, when this team would come in the room, when this team would lift up the banner and go on the altar, something different happened in that moment. I could see that there was oil on them. I didn't have that language back then. I just knew there's something different on them that I want. Because every time they walk in the room, it seems like Jesus comes in with them. And so as a 15-year-old boy, I joined the banner team, trying to figure out a way to dance with a flag in, a, in like a, a manly manner. But I did it because I knew if I, I need what's on their life. Maybe my other friends are out doing other things. I was going to get around these 30, 40, and 50-year-olds who are waving banners on PVC pipe that weigh just as much as me at that point. You know, just like, I, but I had to be near them. I needed to be near them because I needed to learn where they drank the water from. I needed to learn where they got their oil from. I needed to learn where they got the wine from, where they got the bread from, where they got their gold from. I needed to understand why they lived a life in such a way that it just seemed like God went with them wherever they went. They carried something I wanted to carry. They carried Him. And just being around them set a trajectory in my life where I could pursue and be a carrier of the presence of God. Being around them began to expose areas in my life that were lukewarm, that needed to be set on fire again. Being around them taught me how to buy gold, how to buy oil, how to spend this time with the Lord. Watching them abide, watching them talk about His love, watching them to get moved to tears or to shouting or to dancing, their hearts were not hearts of stone. And it began to make a 15-year-old boy's heart grow and become alive. And Tammy made mention of um, Abraham really quickly and, and Isaac. What I love about that story, she didn't know it's the end of my notes. What I love about that story is Abraham is finally getting the, the promise that God promised him. He's getting the manifestation of the promise. He has a son. In his old age, he has a son. He has the fulfillment or the, the, the down payment of the promise that as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore, so shall your descendants be. It's in Isaac. 
And he tells him, come up this mountain and I want you to sacrifice Isaac. And he lifts up, puts the wood, puts his son, lifts up the, the knife. The Lord stops him. The lamb comes out, the wooded area. Isaac comes off, the lamb goes on. And, you know, the Lord was never going to make him sacrifice Isaac because he knew that he would send his son so that Abraham didn't have to. But I want you to understand that he was revealing something to Abraham, that he wanted Abraham. He wanted to be Abraham's reward more than the reward of Abraham's assignment. And he gave Abraham a promise. And he said, okay, now give me back that promise. We're going to kill it. And just the intention of Abraham's heart to be obedient to that, the Lord then says, okay, now I can trust you with what I've assigned you to. God doesn't want to share you with even his assignment over your life. He wants you completely to himself. And he wants to know that you'd be willing to even lay down the dreams of your life to be with him. But it's beautiful that as you begin to do that, he begins to hand things back to you. Because now he can trust you. thank you that you show up the speaking of your word Lord I pray for each one in this room right now let your fire come and touch their hearts spirit of burning would you come even now and remove everything that hinders love Lord if there's any area in our life that is lukewarm things that we can't see, we don't know. Lord, reveal it to us by your mercy. We take heed to your counsel to buy gold refined by the fire, to buy the white garments, to put the eye salve over our eyes. We come to buy oil, to have oil in our lamps. We understand that this is not a one-time altar call experience, but you invite us into a lifestyle of pursuing you in this way. And you say, if we do this, you'll declare over us the same love which the Father has loved me. I love you. Abide in that love. Engage with that love. Dwell in that love. We want to dwell in it, Lord. We want that love to remove the lukewarmness. We want that love to remove the blindness. We want that love to open up our eyes, not to see the things we want to see. We want to see you. Open up our eyes to see you, to see your ways. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty not to be free to live how we want to live, but liberty to live like you liberty to see you 
Lord, I'm asking today for every person in this room that you would give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God and the knowledge of you, Lord, and the knowledge of your ways, that they might know and experience and enter into the height, the depth, the width, and the length of the love of God that surpasses our understanding, that they might be filled with all the fullness of God. Right now, God, we're asking, spirit of wisdom, encounter us today. Spirit of understanding, encounter us today. Open up the depths of your love to us. Open up the heights. We are not afraid, God. We want to see you. We want to know you. We want to be filled with all the fullness of God. Go ahead and just begin to ask him. Yeah, all across the room, just ask him to open up your eyes. have the ministry team come up. Yeah, if you feel like you just need to respond to this word today, if you need to go, we bless you. Happy Father's Day. I know some of us need to pick up our children. We bless you. I encourage you as you go forth from this place, let's be obedient to this command. Abide in my love. Let's be obedient to the word of God over our lives. Let him do the work of love in you. Let him reveal any lukewarm area. But let a fire be awakened in your heart as you buy oil. As you spend the time, I just release grace over you to spend the time with him. That you would know it's not time wasted. So if you need to go, we bless you. But if you're here and you just want someone to pray with you, stand with you, we just invite you to come on up. Maybe we'll make two or three lines in the front. You guys can come right now. And we're going to pray with you, and we're just going to ask God to do what He loves to do. To encounter you with His love. To do the work. So come, let's, let's worship.